Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke. The Suns get Minnesota tonight. This uh, lengthy homestand continues for the Suns, Wolf, and uh, so far so good. Just that one loss to Portland in Portland was that the second game of the season. Yeah, and now five and one. And we're going to get back into some of that Chris Paul audio uh, from from Sunday in a little bit. But just the simple fact that he made it pretty clear. I mean, he said what we were all thinking: sixty wins last year, sixty four in the regular season. That was great as it happened, but it didn't really mean anything once the playoffs began. And Chris Paul said flat out, "Look, we're we're uh, our focus is on the playoffs this year. We're gonna, and building using the regular season basically to build. They're doing that, but they're still five and one. Like they're not sacrificing wins to do. Yeah, it. yeah. You know what? Um, it's really been a metamorphosis by this team, has it not? Since their run, of course, into the NBA Finals." Um, and then, of course, we know the season they followed up, 64 wins. And we were going into that season, man, we were all talking about the fact, oh, my goodness, what 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 can we expect to see from this team right here? What, what are they going to do? I, I, just get through the regular season? Is that how they're going to approach it? Just get through this, man. Get us to the playoffs so we can get back to the finals. That's what we're all thinking. I was worried about that. And how easy that would have been to do that. That's not what they did. They focused on the regular season and really went out and played with purpose. And suddenly they won 64 games. And then we all know what happened in the postseason last year. It, it, it demands some type of response this season going forward. When you have Chris Paul, who's now 37 years old, it demanded a response to what happened last year, and they've done that. The way that they are handling this so far, and if this is if this is really going to be the plan, where you go out there and you're trying to evolve your team over the course of the season, but not not trying to to just throw games away, I think is the best way to handle it. If they can if they can do this all year, because. You can't just treat the regular season as like an annoyance. That was what my worry was was after the Bucks series, after they lost that series. How are you going to come back and, and get up for an 82-game season when you were up 2-0 in the NBA Finals? You're just going to want to start back in the NBA Finals. I would, right? It's human nature. You're going yes. to be like, okay, yeah, take me back to Game 3, yes. not Game 1 of an 82-game season. And they handled it. I, I think they handled things the best way they possibly could last season. It obviously didn't go their way in the, in the playoffs. But I think the way... That you have to to have that sort of balance during the regular season. You can't look at it and be like, "All right," kind of like the Cardinals handled the preseason, but that was the preseason. Yeah. Of just like, yeah, this doesn't matter. Let's just get through it. You can't do that, especially in the Western Conference, or you'll be in the play-in tournament. You'll be what Brooklyn was last year, or what, like what the Lakers have become. Or yeah, we'll just get it together in the playoffs, and then you miss the playoffs. Uh, I don't think the Suns would miss the playoffs, but like you want to be top half of the Western Conference uh, playoff team, so you're hosting games at the Footprint Center, and you want to be evolving all year. And it, and that that seems like something they're capable of doing. Yes, no, I'm with you on that one, man. Honestly, of uh, from game one this season, from game one, they let us all know that this year is going to be different. <laughs> when Chris Paul was sitting on the bench, when he was sitting the tone, on the bench huh? in game one and you let campaign go out there and finish the game because campaign was out there and doing an excellent job competing on the floor. 
Uh, Monty Williams and his staff and the Phoenix Suns let everybody know from that point forward, this is going to be a little bit different this year. And then Chris Paul, you actually played a cut of Chris Paul talking about the fact that, you know what, this is a plan. There is a plan that is in place, and it demands that the Phoenix Suns develop other guys so they're not so dependent on Chris Paul in the postseason. Yeah, here's Chris Paul. This is right after the game on Sunday, the win over the Rockets. He was talking to uh, to Al McCoy and Tim Kempton, and he talked about the the plan of taking the load off so it's not just him and Devin Booker. Now, this was intentional. This is something the team discussed all the way back in camp. You know, I think we stressed it a lot uh, in preseason and training camp. Me, probably more than anybody, because in the playoffs, you know, you got these guys trying to pick me up full court and do all this different stuff. So now, I think the confidence that we'll build throughout the regular season to help us going into the playoffs. That's the plan. You just reacted, and I, what are you? What are the you going to say? What do you mean, Chris? The confidence. The, the the confidence. Are you not confident, Chris? He's not talking about himself, is he? He's talking about all these other guys. All these other guys. The confidence and going into the postseason. You knew there was something afoot from game one, man. You knew something was different. Now it's clear. The plan is there. You got to let some of these other guys in high leverage situations go out and play and gain confidence. That, especially coming from Chris Paul, that says a lot that he has that sort of trust in these guys. Because if you think about it, yeah, on the one hand, Chris, if, if you don't change something from last year, you're never going to win a title. You've got this year, I think he has a legitimate shot. Next year, I don't know. I mean, at some point, Chris Paul's not going to be amazing, right? So if you're, and Chris Paul is a realist, he knows this. So for him to look around and say, yeah, let's have Mikel bring the ball up. Let's have Cam Johnson handle the ball more. Obviously, he trusts Devin Booker, and that's, that's a, a given. But for him to look around and say, like, let's trust maybe my last best chance. Let's, let me trust my teammates a little bit more. Yeah, let's let somebody else take over in crunch time. Let's let somebody else. Let's let Cam shoot that three. Mikael take it to the let's let's go ahead and develop that. It's one of the reasons why his shots are it's way down this yeah, year. Yeah, doesn't even feel like he's shooting. He's trying year. to facilitate. He's trying to get everyone else around him. It's one of the reasons why his assists are still so high. He's trying to intentionally get others around him to take responsibility. In crunch time. Here are the players on the Suns currently scoring more points than Chris Paul. Just averaging more points. And again, I, I don't have, I, I've been saying this as a good thing. Work this out during the regular season. Work it out during October yes. and November. And the fact that you're still winning games yes. shows that it's the right move. Here are the players averaging more than Chris Paul. Devin Booker, he's almost averaging okay, 30 great. points a game. By the way, his what, MVP odds. Hey. Yeah. What up, Book? <laughs> have, has anybody seen Devin Booker's MVP odds? No. 42 to 1. Oh, yeah, I did see that. What there is going on? guys in front yes. of him right now with better odds. <laughs> did everybody? I, like, I'm not saying Devin Booker's going to win the MVP. Oh, my But goodness. he might very well win the MVP. He probably will at least get votes. I'm guessing he finishes top five. Like, it's going to be tough to unseat Giannis or Luka. I get that. But 42 to 1? Yes. Just um, incredible. DeAndre Ayton is averaging 15.4. Mikael Bridges is averaging 15.3. Cam Johnson's averaging 12.5. Still haven't got to Chris Paul. Jock Landale's averaging 10.5. 
Now we get into the Chris Paul Cameron Payne range. They're both averaging right around nine points a game. Oh my goodness! And they're five and one. Whoa. If they were one and five, you'd be like, okay, this isn't working. They're five and one, and they've beaten some good teams. Yeah, this was it was definitely a plan, was it not? What do you want to see tonight? That is the question I'll ask you right now. The T Wolves. Remember, this got a little contested last while. Well, Patrick Beverly, right? And then, uh, Booker Pat, Duncan Pat. and saying, I don't have any friends. Yeah, when, I know. Russell and Carl Anthony Towns are on the other team. It got a little contested <laughs> the last couple times the Suns have played the T-Wolves. And that's why this game is going to be interesting as well. Uh, to me, it's it, there's an easy answer tonight of you don't have DA. And they have Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns. So... Jock Landale has been really impressive for what you're asking of him this year. Bismack Biombo steps right in on Friday and is big, and then he has five blocks on Sunday. Can you beat a team that has Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns up front when you don't have DA? Yeah, and can you? You don't even have Jay Crowder. Yeah, can you do that? Um, we're gonna all have a front row seat, but I, I, I want to see DA dunk. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> He's not playing to, you know what, honestly, can we get him a ball, let him dunk anyways? Just I don't know how bad court. that ankle is, just let him do it. Hey, Zion does it um, when he's hurt. He goes out there and dunks before seriously, games. Seriously, uh, I wrote that down. I just, even though he's hurt, I want to see him dunk. Right? <laughs> is that okay? Um, I, I want to see Book uh, go off, as we have seen. He continues to do it right now. And now I want to see him win MVP. Um, because of those stupid odds. Cam Johnson making threes. I want to see that campaign leading that second unit, continuing to do it and do it under control. This is something that Cam has got to learn how to do. I love his aggressiveness, but sometimes he's out of control. He's got to play in control. We come back. The NFL trade deadline is less than two hours away. Do the Cardinals have anything up their sleeve? We'll get into that next and get you caught up on a few other moves around the league. Uh, text Devils to 620-620 for your chance to win VIP field and tailgate passes to see ASU take on the Oregon State Beavers. Courtesy of Bar S, that's Devils to 620-620. Trade deadline recap next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And is in an hour and 45-ish minutes. The Cardinals have not made a move, but there have been moves today, Wolf. Uh, First of all, the... um Adam Schefter just tweeted this out that Roquan Smith passed that physical, so he is officially in Baltimore. That's from yesterday, obviously. Man, I, can I just say this right now? I think Roquan Smith is going to just explode yeah, as a Baltimore Raven. That is, it's got to be one of those things where if you're a defensive player and you're good, but you're on a struggling team, and I can say the Bears are bad because Lauren's not in here right now, so the Bears yes. are bad. Um, you must love to get that call as a defensive player. Hey, Roquan, uh, we're trading you. Oh, you are? Where? To Baltimore. <laughs> nice. <laughs> See ya. I, uh, you know, honestly, right now, to an organization that totally um, understands and appreciates the Mike linebacker and what it means to a football team to play Mike with the Baltimore Ravens, that kind of thing, that that can grow, man, and... 
and it festers with an organization as well in a positive kind of way. It festers when they don't have positive that guy. fester sounds yes, like a, a cool album too. Positive, we should be writing. This how about down. that? Write it down. Maynard positive. would love that. Positive fester. I'm going to leave it on this random piece of paper, and Dave Burns is going to sit down in three hours and be like, "What? The Bears? The Bears have what? They're going to pay 4.8 million dollars." Is that what it is? Of his 5.4, they're going to pay 4.8 of it? And the Ravens are actually paying the minimum $575,000 worth of that? It's a nice deal. What, what is? <laughs> That's pretty good if you're Baltimore. What's going on? That's Roquan Smith. Well, I don't know if this clears things up, Wolf, or makes it more confusing. The Bears made another trade today. They traded a second-round pick, not the one they got from Baltimore, but their own second-round pick, which is actually a bigger deal, right? Because Baltimore's second-round pick is probably going to be like in the 50s, and the Bears' second-round pick might be like 34. They traded a second-round pick to Pittsburgh for Chase Claypool. That just happened in the last 40 minutes. Yeah, right. Um, Okay. That's interesting. You just don't think of the Steelers are on the trade deadline. You just don't think, you know, boy, here comes Mike Tomlin. I also don't I, think of the Bears as buyers. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, that is interesting right there. They had it out for, for Chase Claypool. We're getting Chase Claypool We're no getting, matter what. We'll trade Roquan Smith and no, we'll use that pick. he is a unit. He is a unit, man, Chase Claypool. There's no, he's no good. doubt. Oh, man, well, he's got some size. Big receiver. I think he's like 6'4". That's got to be the opposite call, though, of get, a defensive player getting the call that you just got traded to Baltimore, right? An offensive player getting that call that you got traded to Chicago. Hey, Chase, uh, we're, we're, we're trading you. Oh, yeah, where? Uh, Chicago. You're going to go play offense in Chicago. Oh, okay. I'll get my things. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and you also have to think about the fact that the Baltimore Ravens, again, with the history they have of some really good inside linebackers like Ray Lewis, of course, they tried this past offseason to land Bobby Wagner. Remember, they were in the running for Bobby mm-hmm. Wagner. And we were all like, that's right, just go. Get him out of the West. Go ahead, Bobby. If you want it, look, there's Baltimore, Bobby. Um, That's where I wanted him to go. They were in the running. And um, they didn't get him, obviously. Went rather to the have Roquan Smith at this point. Now, though. yes. Yeah. Boy, did that work out for them. Even though they had to give something up of value, second and a fifth. And they're going to have to sign him to an extension, yeah. Um, which is going to cost an awful lot of money. Right now, he's got 83 tackles. He's a leading tackler in the National Football League. It's a right decent now, player to be able to get in the middle of the season. What's going on with the Bears? What are they doing? I, 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 Why are they walking off that? They've got a great history of Mike Backers as well. Yeah, be a defense. Be, play to your identity. By the time you get to December, there's Justin Fields is going to be able to get a ball 30 yards down the field to chase Claypool in that weather anyway, so be the defensive team. My young crunk brothers, go ahead and Google it. Monsters of the Midway. Go ahead and Google it right there, man. They've got some great backers that have played all the way back to a guy by the name of Dick Butkus. <laughs> I just, he cracks me up. You think of Butkus up. Mike Singletary. Brian Urlacher. Brian Urlacher. I mean, you're talking about legends here. I will say this. It, it sounded like the Roquan Smith relationship with the Bears had either frayed or was fraying. So it kind of seemed like yeah, they were going to have to why, move though. on him. Yeah, I then, wonder no, why. Fair. No, it definitely did. They, they, he, that, this is evidence of how frayed that relationship was and is. Uh, that Vikings-Lions trade. So here it is. Minnesota gets TJ Hawkinson 
and a 2023 fourth rounder and a conditional 2024 fourth rounder, Detroit gets a second and a third. Okay. We got to rebuild. Yeah, but if you're if if I'm Detroit and I'm like, here, we're going to give you TJ Hawkinson. You need him. I think Irv Smith's hurt. So like you need this guy, right? Yeah. You're 6 and 1. Yep. If we get it Minnesota, you're perfect. As you always say. Mr. Perfect. Mr. Perfect. Uh, but I'm not giving up picks if I'm Detroit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, you know, look, something's going on. Something's, <laughs> some, something is going on with the Detroit Lions right now. I now, now. envy you for having not watched Hard Knocks. Uh, reporting, of course. Um, what? Wait, why do you say that? Because you, you didn't watch the Detroit Lions for five weeks and think, you know, Who what? cares? There's some pieces okay. on this team. Right. Turns out there is. Um, this is what is really interesting to me right now. They just fired their defensive backs coach, Aubrey Pleasant. Did you see that? I did. Yeah, they just Because I'm emotionally fired him. invested in them now. This was yesterday, and Dan Campbell went on to say this, quote, We're in a production-based business, and after seven weeks, I felt like this change needed to be made. <laughs> you know, I kind of cracked up a little bit when I saw that because I thought, man, it's a good thing Dan's boss doesn't feel that way. <laughs> I saw that in your email. Right? It just, wow. Uh, you know, yeah. hey, Dan, you're one in six right now. We're in a production-based business. He's right about that. It's the mercenary mentality that you have to have. Um, and Dan Campbell certainly has it. But there's a lot going on with the Detroit Lions. Yeah, look, I'm not saying Dan Campbell needs to be out. But but to your point, I don't know that I would use the phrase production-based business. <laughs> if I, like, I wouldn't even bring when that you're phrase one in up. Six? Yeah, one in six. And so as as coach of the Lions, he's 4-19-1 over the last year and a half. Now, I don't want to say too much because one of those four was right. over the Cardinals. Right. But 4 and one I probably just go ahead and eliminate that phrase from my my verbiage. I don't want that. I don't want that getting back to the owners and being like, "Wait a minute, what does production based business mean?" Let's look into that. Man, what a blight that is too. When you say that about the Lions beating the Cardinals, that was great. That Holding was. the Cardinals to twelve, that was just the low point to me. Brutal over the last year and a half. That was can't the low believe point. you brought that up. Just well, it's, it's just within the context of whatever we were just talking about. Now, speaking of the Cardinals. They um they have not done anything at the trade deadline, and that is interesting for a couple reasons. One, because Cliff Kingsbury last week, if you remember, at media availability on Friday, said uh, this about the the potential of a trade. It wouldn't surprise me. I, I, you know, there's a lot of really good players out there, and I, I bet there's a ton more movement. You know, over the next few days, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if we got in on something. Is there anybody from the Bears they could take because yeah. they seem to be active? Yeah, the Bears. Bears are like fire cell there, right? Um, Yeah, you know what? Uh, It wouldn't surprise me either if, in fact, something were to happen. But um, I say that believing that there won't be anything (laughs) that happens. (laughs) Does that make sense? It would surprise me. Surprise! It, It wouldn't surprise me if, in fact, something happened because it's a trade deadline. And and I think the Cardinals uh, could definitely use some help. Ron Wolfley reporting. Uh, having said that, um, I just personally don't feel the vibe. I I just I don't want to give up a first round pick for a rental because that first round pick 
could be a top 10 pick. Um, we had this conversation yesterday. If you're going to tell me you're going to go out and get Bradley Chubb for a two and a five, which is what Roquan Smith went for, yeah. done. Okay. I don't know that you're getting him for a two and a five because it sounds like they have. Look, there's a lot of lying going on right now, too. <laughs> um, but did you, did you hear that they figured out, and maybe it shouldn't be a shock, who what the team was that offered two picks for Brian Burns and Carolina was like, no, we're good. Look at us. We got two wins already. Yeah. It was, of course, the Rams. The Rams. Because the Rams are always there's, offering first-round picks. There's no way in the world. There's no way in the world you were offered two How do they even have two first-round picks? For, for Brian Burns? Pick a different team if you're going to make I, that liar. Seriously. I, no thank you. Uh, and real quick, too, did you see Cam Akers tweet this morning of, um, I miss football? No. With a sad emoji. Okay. So I think he wants to be traded. I'm surprised he hasn't been traded because the Rams don't seem to like him very he much. He will be traded. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. When we come back, Pete Carroll has a message for everybody that thought he was done. Great. And Tom Brady waited on professionalism in the face of personal issues. That's next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, you heard it right there in the update. I guess that solves that mystery. Wolf, who would be willing to give up a first-round pick for Bradley Chubb? Well, uh, Miami, and also a fourth, uh, and also Chase Edmonds. So, not getting Bradley Chubb. No. Uh, Denver trading Bradley Chubb in a fifth to get all that. I'm sure they wanted to throw Russell Wilson and Nathaniel Hackett in there, but they just couldn't. You know, honestly, right now, um, okay, it feels like they got a lot more for Bradley Chubb than what I thought they were going to get for Bradley Chubb. Yet, at the same time, the guy, he is a special talent. I will acknowledge that, and he's got excellent size. He's He's the quintessential defensive end, as far as I'm concerned, at 275 pounds coming off the edge. He can power as well as finesse you. He doesn't have to come just with a bull rush, but he's got an excellent bull rush. And everything else comes off of the fact he's got an excellent bull. And five and a half sacks so far this season right now. So... Yeah, okay, that's an awful lot to give up for one player, but uh, Bradley Chubb, he's a good one. They did give up, I should specify this, uh, Miami, that first-round pick is actually San Francisco's first-round pick because you know how Miami has like everybody's first-round pick? Yes. So it's not there. In San Francisco, that might be the 28th pick in the draft. But either way, that's a lot to give up for Bradley Chubb, although the Dolphins are, they look like a playoff team, so... When you feel like you're a playoff team and you feel like you can make a push, you go for it. And that is going for it. And that is not, I tell you, my new favorite per, uh, pastime, Wolf, is to watch Dolphins fans and Bills fans argue in the comments section of every NFL tweet that's out there. It is amazing. I hope those two teams meet in the playoffs at some point just because they hate each other so much. But the Dolphins, look, I mean, they are, they have given up picks. They're gonna they're gonna pay for this down the line in the draft, but they also have a pretty good young team. I mean, you've added Tyreek Hill and Bradley Chubb in the last couple months. Tua looks like he's legit. I don't think he's like a top ten quarterback, but I think he could be like a fringe top ten quarterback, and he's a good quarterback either way. 
And, you know, you've got the pieces here to potentially make a run. Jalen Waddle's really good. Yeah, and I also think as well, um, if I'm not mistaken, maybe Miami is looking long-term as well. As a matter of fact, we know they're looking long-term. I expect them to, at some point in time, extend Bradley Chubb. Anybody that was going to acquire Bradley Chubb, you were basically going to have to extend him. You're not renting a guy for nine games. You're just not going to do the give up a first and a four. And yeah. you know that's it. And Chase Edmonds, you're out of here. And hey, what about oh, Chase? by the way, Bradley, we're only going to rent. No, you're going to extend him, and I, I would expect that ex- extension um, to come quickly, as opposed to anything else. And when I my, the Miami Dolphins, I think as well, based on these, I think they're in the top ten in terms of salary cap room in the National Football League. So maybe that's one of the reasons why. They've done that as well. If you if you believe you have a team that is close, you do have to go for it. I mean, that's the, how the Rams drove that point home over the last couple of years, and it paid off with a Super Bowl. And the Rams are kind of average this year, and at some point down the line, they're not going to have picks, and they, that's going to hurt them depth wise, if nothing else. But they have a Super Bowl to show for it. Uh, we'll, we'll obviously keep you up to date on any uh, trades that come up here. There's a uh, under an hour and a half now until the trade deadline. I want to play this clip from Pete Carroll. Yesterday, Wolf, because, and this is, you know, this is me doing you a favor. This is me giving you a holiday gift because I feel like this is Pete Carroll vindicating a lot of what you have said. And honestly, I remember you saying this about Pete Carroll back in the offseason when you were like, why is he sticking around? And, and what you ultimately came to is maybe he wants to just coach this team, this, this, Team that didn't look like it had a whole lot of talent, but coach them his way and see what they can do. Well, that's what he's doing, and like it or not, they're in first place. Here's Pete. You know, all the people that doubt like you, you're losing, you know, you know, like we run the ball too much, you don't understand football, and you know, you don't, you know, you can't stay up with the, the, the new game and all that kind of stuff. That's a bunch of crap. I'm telling you. Look, we're doing fine. We're all right. So I don't mind proving it day in and day out. <laughs> he wanted to do it his way. He went Sinatra. He did. I'll do did. it my way, right? Um, yeah, okay. You know, and, and that makes a lot of sense for a guy that uh, has been around for a long, long time. A guy that um, I don't think I ever gave him the credit he truly does deserve for being an excellent coach. Um, not only a head coach, but also he was an excellent defensive coordinator on his way coming up. Um, I don't think I've ever given him his due, and he deserves it. He is an excellent coach, and I think he wanted to exit his way. And listening to that cut right there, um, I don't think that dissuades me from thinking no, like that. I would say it would reinforce that. And it sounds very similar to something I've heard my co-host on the show say in the past that you, you can run the ball. You can, you can build around that in 2022. You don't have to just do all the new age stuff that, uh, and that's what the Seahawks are doing. Yeah. What's awesome about it is they're blending the old and the new. They, they are exactly what I'm talking about when this is the new NFL. Forget about the blending of the old and the new. We need a new term for that at some point in time. This is football in the year 2022 of our Lord. This is football. This is the way that it is. You've got to be capable of doing it all. You've got to be capable of taking your quarterback and sticking him under center. You've got to be capable of going shotgun in 10 personnel. One back, no tight ends, four wide receivers. 
You've got to be capable of getting into the pistol with 11 personnel, one back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Change it up. Change it all up. Do everything. Do whatever you need to do to take advantage of your opponent. You hear me say this over and over and over again, but folks, I'm here to tell you right now. Did I just say folks? You got to be kidding me. Um, Basinonians, I'm here to tell you right now, the way to win in the National Football League is not to be dogmatic about anything you do offensively. You've got to do everything. That's what's so frustrating. If you're a Cardinals fan, if you could set aside the 12s and it being Seattle and everything, set aside all that extra bag, which, which, don't get me wrong, makes it that much more frustrating. But if you just if you just look at, at the Cardinals roster at the start of the season, I know they've been beat up and they've lost a lot of players and they haven't had their, their two top receivers together at any point this season. And that stuff does add up. But if you look at the Cardinals roster at the start of the season and the Seahawks roster at the start of the season, you would have never thought the Cardinals would be behind Seattle Correct. and they would have already lost to Seattle. And when you watch these teams play with the Cardinals, it's like, okay, they are not living up to their potential, which is one of the most annoying things in sports. It'll drive you crazy as a fan base. And then you look at Seattle and you're like, this team is just playing like a team and winning each week. Yeah. Like it it just seems so much more simple what Seattle's doing. The thing is everybody's got to be on the same page for the most part. And there is an outlier right now in the National Football League. There is. It's the Philadelphia Eagles and how they're playing right now. They're running the Arizona Cardinals offense. The way that we've seen the Arizona Cardinals run their offense. Well, can we have it back? But once again, I think the general manager's got to be on board, your head coach has got to be on board, and your franchise quarterback has got to be on board. They all have to think the same way. And I don't know if the Cards have that currently. All right, when we come back, ASU has its quarterback, and Herm has a new job. That's next. It's the Wolf and Luke Show on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. A lot of people making the very astute point on Twitter, Wolf. How are all these teams making moves and Green Bay isn't? With the trade deadline in an hour and 13 minutes. We need to get Rodgers on the Pat McAfee show so we can get some uh, thoughts on this. I think they're convicted. They're convicted. And no, you know what? We're only going to get better. We believe in this roster, believe in this team. We're only going to get better. Maybe that's why they haven't done anything. Uh, all right. Well, then good luck with that. Um, I know as I teased this going to break, I said ASU has their next quarterback and Herm has a job. I just want to be clear. Herm is not ASU's next quarterback. <laughs> really saying those two things side by side may have been confusing. So let's start with ASU officially naming Trenton Borgay the quarterback. He is basically 2-0 and after all, Wolf. Here's a Sean Aguano. First of all, I thought he did an incredible job, um, you know, getting the ball out quickly, making those decisions. Um, that was kind of the game plan, um, making sure that uh, it wasn't long progression, that we understand, you know, from a stature standpoint, we had to do movements, we had to do all those things to give him a chance and, and he did really, really well. Going back to that first question, um, training has earned the right to be the starter. Um, our kids are um, um, doing well with him and they trust him. Um, you know, it, it's a bad spot for Emery. Um, the great conversation that we had with Emery is that, Coach, I'll be ready um, if the time comes. And so that's always hard on the kid. But uh, 
um, Trenton will be our starter. I think he did everything right. Um, he plays with that moxie and that little bit of it to it, and our, and our kids trust him. Wow. He had to, right? I mean, he's, he beat the Huskies, came in, beat the Huskies, and Colorado is nothing impressive, but he did win that game. Yeah, you know, I am so impressed with this kid. When I watched this game, Colorado, to your point, Colorado is bad, Ron Wolfley reporting. We all understand that. But it's not like ASU has been a juggernaut either. So How dare you? So watching him go out and play the way that he did, Oh, my goodness. I just saw somebody that understands the game. Yeah, you know what? From a stature perspective, he's not Emory Jones. He's not. And from a talent perspective, he's not Emory Jones. He isn't. Yet at the same time, for me, watching him go about his business, I was so impressed. This is a guy that plays the game in his mind first. Doesn't have outstanding physical skills, but beats you with his brain. He he threw for four hundred thirty five yards. I mean, I don't. <laughs> I know. Not, like, I don't care who you're. Yeah, playing I was going to say, you're, as long as you're playing a college team, he wasn't out there playing against the high school team. Uh, four hundred thirty five yards, three touchdowns is impressive. The offense, Wolf, just looks. Like, I want to be careful I say this because I don't think Emory Jones is the reason ASU is struggling. I really don't. I don't I think totally it's Emory Jones' agree fault. With that. Uh, it, it's, and in fact, I, I really appreciate the way he showed up here and was excited to be a Sun Devil at a time when it felt like not a lot of people were with everything that's going on and in the, in the investigation that I'm sure the NCAA is going to start at some point. But Borgay stepping in and beating the Huskies and then throwing for 435 yards and three touchdowns against Colorado on Saturday. He's got to be the starter. What I'm fascinated by now is Sean Aguano taking over play calling duties and switching quarterbacks. And, you know, he has that loss to Stanford, which is bad. The other two losses, I would say you could write off USC and Utah. And he's got an impressive win over the Huskies and, you know, at least a win over Colorado, which they weren't winning games before with Herm. I wonder, he's clearly trying to make a push to be the head coach. I think any of us would in the role he's in right now. I wonder what ASU does going forward. I'd love to see the list, like the definitive, like the real list, not a list online, an actual list of who else they're considering for the job. You're considering Sean Aguado, aren't well, you? Well, you, you're, you're I'd like saying to see to the list right now. Okay, you'd like to see the I, list. I think there, there are certainly to. other names I'd rather have. You are, yeah, you know, listen, um, Coach Aguano has done an incredible job. No doubt. For this team to go out and play the way they did against Washington was just, to me, Oh, lights out. But he did coach a loss to Stanford. They lost to a team that didn't even score a touchdown. Yeah, he did. Um, and we had our questions about that. Yeah. Like, you, if you, you were going to make the change, Jones, you could have made it two weeks ago. You could have done it, right? You could have done it over the bye right there. And, you know, uh, you, you, why didn't you give Trent Borgay at least a shot in the fourth quarter, baby, to, you know, right the ship and turn it around? And um, I get it. Emory Jones was not playing horribly. He wasn't. Um Listen, I, I whatever the reason right now, um, I, I, this is more about Trenton Borgay to me and the job that he has done. And I, I am highly interested in the rest of the season for the Sun Devils because of this kid. I, this I, kid is one of those rare dudes where, okay, wait a minute, uh, you're 5'11", 185 pounds? It's not like you have a cannon. No. He doesn't have a cannon. It's what not you, like Josh Allen out there. What are you right? What are you doing? 
He's beating you with his brain. I like that's him. what he's doing. When we talk about a subject last week, remember we talked about Devin Booker and Kellen Olson walked by the window. As yeah. you were just talking about ASU, Jeff Munn walked by the window the other way. Oh, money. Like, what is going That'll on? Blow here? your like mind this, right there, too. It's clearly like somebody planting these people. Look, it's Jeff Munn. This is what I want from ASU's coaching search, Wolf. And I was talking about this with a friend of mine yesterday. I don't know that I want it to be a guano. Uh, I think we still have a few more games to see. What I think you have to do if you're ASU with this investigation that's just hanging over you with the NILs, with players that can move at all times. I think you need to pick a coach, whoever it is, and stick with them. And, and I think that's honestly going to be ASU's biggest selling point is in this age of college football, if you're not Alabama or some team that wins every year yeah. and you, you don't have millions and millions and millions of dollars like Texas A&M or one of those schools and NILs, I don't understand why ASU can't come up with more in NILs, but maybe they will. I think you have to, what you have to have is a coach that is there for years and years and years, like Kyle Whittingham in, in Utah. So when players do come to ASU, they're coming to play for that coach. So they're not going to just be lured away by an extra $25,000 in NIL if they're good or something. You know what I mean? You at least give yourself a chance. Yeah, I went to ASU to play for this coach, and I had a good year. And then SMU came to me and said, hey, we can give you more money. But I like playing for this coach. This is why I came here. That's, I think, your only chance to really doing this. You know what is so weird about this whole thing? I'd love to see Sean Aguano if, in fact, he would have had the team last year. (laughs) What he would have been able to do. Or all of this year, even. Just, you know, honestly, um, just last year, though, all the talent that Herm was able to recruit, yeah. all the talent they brought in here. And I, I think we all are wondering, you know, okay, yeah, what were the tactics in which they brought all this talent into the program? I get that. I understand that. Yet at the same time, I would have loved to have seen if he could have reached some of these kids. Because once again, that's what coaching is, especially at the college level. Oh, my goodness. You know, the, the the whole philosophy about teachers, you've got to reach them before you can teach them. That's what teachers say all the time about students, especially in high school. you got to be able to reach them before you can teach them. And yet I think of college football players, man, even though you're talking about young men, even though they're, they're, they're men, they're 21, they're 22, um, you know, to me, of. Uh, could he have reached some of those guys? You're right. It would be nice to know because if he couldn't, then you're looking for another coach. If he could, then maybe you do have your guy. I, I'm I'm very up in the air on this one. I, I what I don't think ASU needs to do is go out and hire a guy just because of a name. I think you got to get a guy that you know is going to stay here, that you know you're going to want to keep here, and that if they struggle next year and they are whatever five and seven, that it's going in the right direction. And the next year it'll be eight and four. And I look, I know they're not probably ever going to get to twelve and zero, but this should be a perennial like eight yeah. nine win team. You know, one thing he's got going for him right now, you could adopt the philosophy knowing that you're ASU, you're, you're not USC, you're not UCLA. You're not Oregon. You know that. Knowing that you're ASU right now, you could adopt the philosophy of we're going to win in state. That's what we're going to do. That is what he's trying to do. We're going to win in state, maybe, because football in this state has gotten so much better over the last five, seven, eight years based on the population explosion. There's a lot of talent, high school football talent that ends up on other colleges around the country that plays very well. Uh, I should point this out, too, since I did tease it. Herm Edwards back at ESPN. So here's the thing about her, okay? He's at some point going to make a joke about his time at ASU on ESPN. 
And everybody else in the country is going to laugh, and I'm just going to sit there and turn all the lights off in my house and be sad. Yeah. Yeah. That's what's going to happen. I might do it with you. <laughs> everybody in this city, just, just, just turn the power off and just sit there and be just like. a sign of solidarity. Because now, everybody that drove this program into where it is, you know, Antonio hey. Pierce is with the Raiders. Like, all these coaches went out and got other jobs. Herm's going to be on ESPN. The players all transferred. Jaden Daniels is making like a million dollars at LSU. Whoever you think was at fault for this, the yes. only people that are suffering are the fans. And you know what? Honestly, based on means, I loved Herm. I, I thought this was going to be a slam dunk hire by ASU, and it was trending that way. So we all know what happened. Yeah, then there was no slam dunk. The backboard broke. I was wrong. Uh, all right, we'll come back. All of today's top sports stories in one place. Wolf and down your lunches. Next, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.